0: If you'll join me uh, in your Bibles in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading there in verse 1, our text for today as we continue in our uh, verse-by-verse walkthrough of the book of Ephesians. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 there in chapter 3. I'm going to be reading in the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. If you're on electronic and you want to sync up, that's fine. So chapter three and starting in verse one, I'm going to read the word, pray over it as we get into what I believe he would encourage us with today. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you The ministry, the mystery, was made known to me by revelation, as I've written briefly above. By reading this, you're able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus Through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me and by the working of His power. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the mystery revealed. We thank you for the gospel proclaimed. We thank you that light uh, has come into our life in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Lord, the more we look into your scripture, the more we see it. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that today you will continue to lead us, as you always do, into all truth. Uh, That you will convict us of of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Uh, I thank you that you comfort us in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Paul is writing about the mystery. And and he'll speak on this a lot. And we, we hear this word mystery and we like it. You know, we like mysteries. We like to watch movies with mysteries in them. We like to find out later on at the end of the movie what was really going on the whole time. You know, it'll cut to all the scenes before uh, that you had watched, but you didn't realize what was going on. And it's showing you all of that stitched together uh, that this is what the story really was the whole time. And even though you watched the movie up to that point, you couldn't see it. And when it's all revealed to you at the end, uh, it, it's pretty fulfilling isn't it? it's enjoyable. I've always liked movies like that. And so Paul is talking about this mystery, something that was concealed and now open. Uh, and this is going to be um, a little bit of a two parter. is going to carry over quite a bit into next week as we finish out uh, in verses 8 through 13. Just seeing more of this revealed, But uh, and it may be three because if you count last week because it's part of it too. Uh, last week we talked about uh, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles, and he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. And one of the major themes in this letter is that God, through Christ and in Christ, is bringing new life to individuals, new relationships in their life, growing into a new community of believers that is going to stretch and expand around. The world. And Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. He's about to pray for them. And then he jump he interrupts himself with another stream of thought that he's going to carry on for, uh, these about 10, uh, 11 verses here before he gets back to his prayer in verse 14. And, and his thought is that once he thought on it, he said, it's, it's just so good. I've got to bring this up again. I want you to think on this. I want to lay this before you. And that's what he does here in these verses uh, that we're reading. And he talks about this mystery. Uh, the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly above. What's he talking about? Everything we've covered so far, all the magnificent things that we have in Christ, who we are in Christ. He's like, this is the mystery that has been revealed to me. And, and this word for mystery, is something we can use it different ways, uh, but this word for mystery isn't a, a puzzle that we're trying to figure out. Uh, it, it's not an equation that we're trying to solve. Uh, this use of mystery is something that is covered uh, or veiled that then has to be revealed. Uh, Just like if I had something sitting up here with a cover over it, you, you really wouldn't be able to puzzle out what that was unless I were to lift the cover off and show it to you. So that's why he says this mystery was made known to me by revelation. The mystery being something that was covered or veiled must be made known by revelation, which that word just means what? Uncovered. An uncovering or an unveiling, a revealing, revelation, revealing, uh, a a revealing of that which was unseen. And so what Paul is saying is that there is something big that has been at work, that is at work uh, in Christ Jesus. And he is now revealing it and making it known. Uh, So again, mystery here, it's it's not a puzzle we're trying to solve. It's a truth that we as believers are being initiated into that you have to be told about. It has to be revealed to you. And he said, I wrote about it briefly above. We've covered a lot of the things that he's wrote about. And he says in verse four, by reading these things, by reading what the scripture, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul's saying he's uncovering it to, to me and to others. And we're proclaiming what it is that we're seeing and what it is that we're learning. And that's the apostles and the prophets that he references right here. So he's saying it's being uncovered. Verse five. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. So covered over, unable to be seen, unable to be discerned in previous times. He's saying now it's being revealed. Now it's open and it's being administrated through the apostles and the prophets. And what is it? This mystery that's being revealed, what is it? Uh, And thankfully he writes it out pretty plain. Uh, It's been revealed by, uh, now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit which means we're about to find out what it is, verse 6, the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, if we're being honest, that doesn't bowl us over right away, does it? (laughs) It's like, wow, it's a mystery. And and again, where we are compared to where they are, we, we see it and think on it differently. We have a different perception than they did in that point in time. But when we hear that, the Gentiles, they're they're co-heirs, they're members of the same body, partners in the promise of Jesus Christ through the gospel. Didn't seem real mysterious. Didn't seem like a big unveiling. And again, part of that is because we don't have uh, here in these times um, the the same understanding of this Jew-Gentile divide that they would have. And then also we have overlooked or we've even recovered uh, or or covered over again the implications that this has for us today. So when it says there in verse six that this is the mystery that's being revealed, that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus. What, what promise that Abrahamic promise, the covenant going all the way back to the book of Genesis is saying the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body or co-members in the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now that, that part is very important. The in Christ Jesus through the gospel, when you think about how scandalous this statement of grace is, that the Gentiles and the Jews would be brought together as co-heirs, co-members, and partners in the promise. When we can see, one thing we do have a visual on right now today is all the friction and, and, and conflict between Jew and Gentile. Right. Everything you see going on in Israel, all the arguments that you see in other places in the world, it's that age old conflict between Jew and Gentile, between even the the Israelites and the Palestinians. We were reading about them all the way back in the book of Judges. You can see them in there. Uh, That chaotic conflict that exists between the two And it seems like they could never live together in harmony. But what Paul is saying is the gospel is the mystery that would bring the two together in union. Again, in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Right. That's what would bring them, even them together. Uh, the, The mystery is the complete union of Jew and Gentile with each other, as they are both being brought into union with Christ, and it sounds impossible, especially since the, the, the Gentiles are given over; They're, they've been lost to other gods. Again, you look at their mindset; you look at the like. How in the world could they be brought together? And so even though we've we read that, it doesn't completely bowl us over right at first because we're like, okay, what's next? Um, Because we've become more familiar with the gospel than they would have been at that time. But being familiar with it, we should never become less amazed by it. Never amazed by what, never less amazed by what Christ has done and what he is doing. This mystery that Paul is talking about, he's saying this is how the world is going to be brought together. We we read earlier in Ephesians, it says in chapter one, I turned over to Galatians. It says he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. That this mystery is how the world will be brought together in Christ through the gospel. This is how powerful the message is. Paul preached to people. He preached to individuals. He discipled individual people. And then we see that he he would preach to them. If we went to verse eight, which we haven't read today, but I'll read it real quick. This grace was given to me, Paul, the least of all the saints to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. And to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. He's saying that this is the message that this mystery, the gospel message is going to transform the world. And it's the only thing that has the power to transform the world. And the way he applied it was by each individual heart. He would preach to each individual person, disciple them, and then they would, you know, you you have all the evidences there. The Philippian jailer, perfect example. He he is saved, him and who? His household. So it extends to his family, and then it extends to their community because there were several different households that had already been touched in their first 24 or 36 hours in Philippi. And, and so the community begins to be changed. And in the As communities are are changed, then regions are changed. And when we start to think that big, it's like, "Ooh, that's that's too much. But it starts and continues to be one person at a time. And he's saying this is the mystery. And this is how Christ is going to bring into union people that you never thought would have been able to be in union one with another. It's through this gospel. And he says, I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. He's saying, I'm going to keep telling it. I'm going to keep demonstrating that this is the power of God to save us, Jew and Gentile, because I was graciously brought into it and I've seen God's power at work in it. He said, I'm a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by his mighty power. So the same gospel that saves us, transforms us, also commissions us to carry it on. It's it's the same for us. We're, We're servants of the gospel by the gift of God's grace and the working of his power. All of us. Are right, and people may say, "Well, you know, see, yeah." I mean, I think I understand what you're saying, but but not everybody's a preacher, not everybody's an evangelist, not everybody, uh, you know, does that. You know, that, that's for some people. Some people do that, and the rest of us just kind of go along with what they're doing. Which sounds funny, but that's the way we tend to think. We have other people are doing that. Other people are carrying the gospel. That's for the missionaries. That's Poppy Alvin down in Honduras. You know, that's the Sallys when they're over in Europe. You know, but, but not all of us do that. You know, there are certain people that do that, and that's good, but that's not for all of us. And again, it sounds silly if you say that in a situation like this in light of these texts, but that is the way that, that we have felt, right? And again, clearly there are leaders and clearly there are giftings. However, that does not mean that we're not all ministers and servants of the gospel. And I'll show you another passage on that. If you flip back just a little bit to second Corinthians chapter five, and let's look at verse 16 and 17. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, from now on, then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Here's one you know. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away and see the new has come. And we'll shout about that one, won't we? We'll put that one on T-shirts. We'll put it on coffee mugs. Hey, my my shame is gone. My sin is gone. I'm not that away anymore. If If anybody be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have died. All things are created new. I'm a new creation. All right. Yes. What does that new creation do? What does that new creation do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 18, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's him bringing us back. You know, if you if you've separated and then you reconciled, you brought something back that was torn apart. He said he's reconciled us to God in himself. Christ Jesus has done this and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Glad you asked. Let's look at the next verse. That is what? The ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Us who? All of us who are new creatures in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. All things have been created new. Everything's from him. He's reconciled us and he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. Well, see. I don't know. That's still not very clear. All right, let's go to the next one. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, His appeal to whom? To the world. What's his appeal? To be reconciled to him through Christ Jesus. He's making that appeal through us. We are his ambassadors. And we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, we are ambassadors for Christ. Who's the we? Any if any man, if any man, anybody be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have been created new. Well, I mean you're kind of proof-texting. You kind of went to a different book. You know, you jump from Ephesians. Let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians 2, which we've already been there, and verse 10. We are his workmanship. We who the the church, those who have been saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. Uh, It is God's gift, not of works that anyone should boast. That was verse nine, eight and nine. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Again, this mystery that Paul is proclaiming, he's telling us that it's not just to him and to a select few, but to everyone who has been saved by it. You are also simultaneously commissioned to it. And what does that that mean? What does that look like? It means you are a faithful, honest witness for Jesus Christ In every area of your life, as you are being discipled by the Holy Spirit, by the scripture and by the fellowship of the saints. You are a minister of reconciliation. You're a minister of reconciliation. This is how the world changes. Is everyone who's been saved by the gospel commissioned with that same gospel to carry it forward. To carry it out. He's like, we are the ones that he is is making his plea through, be reconciled to God. And now that's difficult. It's difficult to carry that. It's difficult to do that. And because of that, we can tend to avoid it and or try to abdicate it to somebody else. right. It can be difficult to walk that out in your life. So it's easier not to. It's easier not to. Now, I told them a story at Overcomers on Monday night. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I am going to repeat the story because it, 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 it stuck in my mind. And it's a way that God has been teaching me or it's something God's been using to teach me. Uh, I was sitting with a friend at lunch, Lions Club, uh, a couple of months ago. Bishop Chester Thompson from Zion Hill Baptist Church. And we were talking about, you know, this time of year, you're going to have people out sick because, uh, you know, stuff is going around. And he said, when I remember when I was a boy, when cold and flu season would start and people would start turning up sick or even when it would get to be that time of the year, my granny would line us all up and make us take a spoonful of the medicine that she had. I couldn't get the name of it, but she mixed it with castor oil. So that tells you how flavorful it was. He said, and she would make every one of her grandkids take a spoonful of this so that we wouldn't get sick when all of that was going around. And I said, well, did it work? He said, it absolutely worked. Everything she ever gave me worked. I never had to go to the doctor until I was in the army. Uh, He'd even told a story about how he stepped on a nail uh, and she put this and this and this on it and wrapped it up. And he ended up being right as rain. He said it definitely worked, but it was awful. It was hard to take. It was hard to get down. He said, but she would line us all up and she would have a spoon in one hand with this elixir in it. And she would have a switch in the other hand. And she did that. To make sure we knew you're going to take this spoon or you're going to get this switch. And he said it, matter of fact, and it was kind of a funny little story, but it made me think. I was like, well, that's a I can see that principle at work in life where you have the difficult, good choice that you should make. But it's difficult, right? It's difficult to take that spoonful of elixir, but it was going to be good and helpful to them. And if you don't take that, you get the switch. If you don't make the good and the right decision, making the other decision will bring about something for you that you're going to enjoy less than the spoon. The switch is to teach us to choose the spoon. And so you you think about this just in our everyday life. You know, Caleb's not in here. I'm talking about him. He's got a, a school assignment that's due probably Monday. Is it due tomorrow? Oh, it's due Wednesday. So he's doing better than I thought. you know. But what do we normally do on these school crafts and these school projects that are due on Monday? We're usually working on it on Sunday night. We're just now buying the stuff for it on Sunday night. Now, the good and the right decision would have been to prepare ahead of time, get your supplies, you know, do it in a reasonable amount of time early, so that you can have it done, and then you can just be one of the kids that just rolls up to school that day and you know puts it in. That's the spoon to to do it in the proper amount of time with the proper amount of. Preparation. If you push that away and like I'm going to procrastinate on this, I don't want to do this right now. I'm going to do it later, and you wait until the last minute. There's going to be weeping. There's going to be gnashing of teeth. There's going to be a fight between you and your family because you're worried it's not going to get done. They're mad at you because you just now told them it had to be done. That is the switch. So you see, you see how that plays out in the decisions that we make. I didn't make the good, right decision to to do the difficult thing the way I should have. And so now I'm getting the switch. You you see it at, at work, any job you've ever had, there's something that you let go with less than what you should have done, right? This machine is supposed to be cleaned once a week. I think we can push it to 10 days. I mean, I think I can push it to next week. I'll just do it next Wednesday because I got some time opening up. Well, guess what? About Monday afternoon or Tuesday, it's going to all fall apart because you didn't do the good, difficult thing that you should have done, which was clean it on schedule and you put that off and decided you would do it different. And now you're what? Now everything's shut down. It's your fault. Nothing's going to be on schedule for the rest of the week. That is the switch because you didn't make the good and the right decision. You know, we, we, we see it in evangelism. It's difficult to be on that level with somebody, Especially if you're not used to it, you haven't built up those muscles, you know, those interaction muscles that, that we all have that, that either we're, we're getting stronger in or we're getting weaker in. if you're not making that that good and right but difficult decision to be a faithful witness in every area of your life, now that... That doesn't mean that you go everywhere with your Bible and you go, all right, everybody open to Ephesians chapter three. I'm going to need about 30 minutes of your time. What what it means is you are bearing the fruit of the spirit in the community that that people know you as a source of love and kindness and wisdom and, and mercy and help. Because of and they understand because you've told them anytime they tried to credit it to you, you've told them, hey, look, you wouldn't even like me if it wasn't for Jesus. You wouldn't want to be around me. I'd, I'd probably already stole your stuff. maybe been what I would have done. You know, you just you're always pointing to him. That's what I'm saying. When I'm saying being that faithful witness, I'm not talking about you have to go be a street preacher with a bullhorn. But everywhere that you are, you are making an impact or you have opportunity to. To be impactful. And if you push that away, here, here's what you'll begin to see. You'll see everything begin to deteriorate around you. Because again, what the gospel does is it affects a heart first and then a, a family next, because it's taken to that household. Those are the people closest to us. They're, they're going to hear it and see it and be. Um, uh, ministered to by it next, and, and then it's multiple households, and then it's a community, and then it grows to even a uh, nation. Again, when we get to that nation part, we're like, man, that's, that's difficult. That's going to take a long time. But you're not having to do it by yourself. Again, for you and for me, I, I, our task is self, family, and our, what is Scripture call Our neighbors, Our neighbors. Who's my neighbor? It's the person who lives next to me, obviously. But then it's also the people that are right in front of me, the people that I am spending my time with in this life. But see, it's it's more difficult than we want it to be. And so we tried to push it away. Eh, Don't push that away. This will be my personal relationship with Jesus. I have my personal relationship with Jesus and my personal stays personal. And I'll let I'll let the preacher talk to everybody else. We bypass it, but we still want to see good and right things in society. So, we, you know, we, we, we try to seek political power or policies that are going to reinforce the things that we know are right and good. But we but we stop doing the, the work of reconciliation on the ground level. And, and so even though we try to legislate morality, people are getting worse and worse and worse. We've got people pushing for a Christian nation that won't let God work on their own heart. Again, we should want those things, but you can't skip what he's put into place. You can't just go, man, it's hard to do this one on one stuff. Can't we just make it a law that everybody has to go to church? (laughs) And we haven't done that, but we've tried to do that. We've tried to do it. And again, those those things are good. We can be should be involved. I know lots of good Christian folks involved in politics. Lord bless them. we, We need more of them. In there, but it has to be part of the progression again from individual, family, community, and then the nations. And we have to continue, continually choose the good, difficult option. We have to continually choose the spoon, or else we're going to continue to get the switch. Right? That's why you see in our communities, in our nation, there are things going on that not very many years ago would have been completely unfathomable. Like no way. If somebody had told you 20 years ago what would be going on today, you would be like, nah, you're lying. There's not... <laughs> They're crazy. Uh. Uh-uh. No. Why? Because we've abdicated the true... Answer. We, we've forgotten that the answer for what ails us is the gospel that he's talking about in verses four through seven, the, the one that's going to bring together even Jew and Gentile. We've left it off. It's like, well, I'm, I'm a Christian and, and I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm going to keep you know, following Jesus. But, but we've abdicated on an individual level what he's called us to do, which is to be a minister of reconciliation. And then we see the problems and we see how big they are. I mean, even in, even in our community, you can look at the problems and just get just, like, oh, gosh, God, I don't know. I don't know how you can fix these and he said his answer will be it's going to be fixed the way it's always been able to be fixed which is by the application of the gospel to each individual heart because when you remember when you see these things and you, then you're able to remember why it's happening the spoon or the switch what we're getting is the switch because we stopped being those that reached out and we started being those that set back. And part of that's because we uh, denied the, the, the sanctification that was needed in our own life because that was difficult in itself. So I kind of pushed that back. I just want to stay where I'm at. I mean, I, I definitely know I was on my way to hell and I want to go to heaven, but, but I don't know all this change. That's pretty daunting. And so I push that off, push the spoon away. What do I get? I get the switch and then I'm not able to take this progression to the next level. The switch is to teach us to choose the spoon. And Ian, you're, I say this and I don't say this like you know gloom and doom, anything like that. But there is a reckoning coming for society. And I'm not, it's not that thing where I think he called for revolution. We're supposed to do this. That's not the way we win this. That's not the way we win. But there's a reckoning coming because you can only sow to the wind so long without reaping the whirlwind. You can only sow to the flesh for so long without reaping the corruption that is going to come in. So there's going to be a reckoning and there's going to be difficulties. But I want you to be overwhelmed by it. Don't fear and don't be dismayed because there is just as much power in the gospel as there has always been. This one that he's writing about, it's carried on from then till today. And we're still gathering around it, being blessed by it, being partners in it. Today, there's as much wisdom and instruction in the Word and in the Scripture as there has always been. We've just got to choose the difficult but good path. Again, Christ said, What? Big is the gate, and wide is the way that leads to destruction. And small is The gate and narrow is the way that leads to salvation and few will travel by it. Why? Because it's more difficult to travel on that road. More people are going to try to push it away. And what are they getting? The road that leads to destruction, a.k.a. the switch. We have to choose the spoon. And again, we can see what's wrong. Anybody with a lick of sense can see there's something wrong. Yeah, I got asked at one of the uh, previous uh, community things that we did. It was, a, it was a prayer. We need to be praying together. We need to be praying. Can't, can't emphasize that enough. They said, we want you to pray for the schools. How many of you know the schools need prayer? Amen. But what the Lord put on my heart while I began to pray is like, you need to pray for, for, for good and right in the school. But you also need to pray that the church would become become more engaged with the community that it's in and reach these young people that are making up the school. So that it's less likely that one of them is going to go off the rails into darkness and and do something atrocious. Why? Because they've been shown the light. But if we're only praying, we should pray. Absolutely. Christ said we should always pray. Never give up. That's what he's saying. But if we're only praying, where do we expect the answer to come from? We think he's going to send a legion of angels in there to be hall monitors and just block people on the head when they're not acting right? I mean, that sounds funny, right? That would be good. I would take that. But, but really, if we're only praying. I shouldn't say only praying. If we stop at praying. If we stop at praying. Where do we think the answer is going to come from? Because who is his answer in the earth? The church. Who has he seeded this to? We read it in Corinthians. He's pleading through who? Us. And not just from pulpits, but from our everyday faithful witness in this life. That we are walking closely with him We're walking closely with his people. We're being changed. Because again, it's not a mystery how people change. It's miraculous, but it's not a mystery. People change as they walk day to day, day in and day out with Christ Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, washed with the water of the word in fellowship service together with the body of Christ. How will the church engage? How will the church touch the individuals that make up the families that make up the community? What is it that we can do? Because, again, it's one heart at a time. The Lord may put on your heart just one person. Just one. Just one person to invest in one person to minister to one person to encourage one person to build up it may just be one and that's wonderful because look at all the change that can come from that if they if they are changed and then they take that back to their family their household. And the more people that are affected there, again, one at a time. And then it goes and it goes and it goes. And that's how the gospel multiplies. And that's how things are changed. We can look at the conditions around the world and go, well, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything to change what's going on in Israel. I can't do anything to change what's going on in Washington. I can't do anything to change what's going on in our country. What? What? What can I do? I can love and care for the people that God has put right in front of me. And if the church will do that and be faithful to do it, look at all that will change. And not that we're not doing that. But we're not at full capacity, are we? We're not at full capacity and we could be. We're ministers of reconciliation one person at a time. What did Isaiah say? Here I am, Lord. Send me. When they said, who will go? Who will go do this? This needs to be done. Who will go and do it? He said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am. I'll go and do that. And again, it doesn't have to look like this. We need this. But what this is, is you, you come in here to be equipped and encouraged So that you can go out and minister to the people that God puts in your life. So that you can be a faithful witness and a Jesus follower. Evidence of the kingdom, wherever it is that you are. Again, you can't change something on a national scale unless God has just gifted you and anointed you to be one of those national prophets. We don't see as many of those. What can you We were talking about it this morning. It just, it just came up naturally in conversation. Kimber didn't even know what I was sharing about. He said, I, I met a lady. Her goal is to just meet one new person every day. That's her goal, just to meet a new person every day and to encourage them. And if the Lord leads, to share a testimony with them. Just meet one new person. That's her goal. And what a beautiful goal. You know, another one that said, People get wrapped up thinking, well, I have to do this. Well, I have to share my faith. Well, I have to I have to forgive. You know, we have to forgive. But she said, I, I heard a message one time that taught me different. She said, I get a chance today to forgive. I get a I I get a chance today to love those that God has put around me. I get a chance to shine his light into dark places. Because how else is it going to go out there? Again, we we pray. We're going to pray. But we're also going to put our hand to the plow and do what he's called us to do. And it takes all of us. And not just all of us, but all the ministers of reconciliation that he has throughout the world. Let's I'm going to close. Next week, we're going to talk about not quite the same thing. This is on a local level. We're going to see it on the cosmic level next week as we continue there in Ephesians. But I want to close with this passage from Corinthians because the Lord put it on my heart. He'd be pointing me to it Ministry of Reconciliation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since He is making His appeal through us, we plead on His behalf. Be reconciled to God, because He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in Him... We might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're about to pray. And when we do either now or when we leave, what I want you to do is to pray to him and ask him, Lord, what can I do? Where would you send me? What would you have me put my hands to? And and don't think it's going to be right away something big and, and grand. Right. I mean, I've seen people drive hours to preach at a conference who wouldn't talk to somebody in the checkout line. It's not got to be that. It may be something just right in front of you. It's not going to be without difficulty. The spoon always has a little bit of difficulty to it. But just ask him. Lord, minister to my heart. I believe what Stephen said. I believe that I am. I've been saved by this gospel. I know that you're also commissioning me in it. What can I do? And, and it may be, he says, you've got this little one at home right now. You can invest love and kindness into them and make sure they always trust God Almighty. That there never be a day where they didn't. That's amazing. Because look, you, you, you touch a life that touches so many lives. Look what he can do. So, so don't despise small beginnings, Scripture would say. Don't despise small beginnings. Like, well, that's not that doesn't seem like that much. Well then go ahead and do it then. And do it faithfully and do it well and do it with his help and his grace. And his, Ephesians tells us his grace and his power is what funds it. Lord, what can I do? Maybe we ask that every day. Lord, what can I do today? What can I do today to shine your light? What can I do today to help somebody? You're not going to take them from zero to 100 in one day. Don't plan on it. Because you didn't go from zero to 100, did you? No. It's a process. One heart at a time. And that gets into these families. And if you can get a husband and wife, both loving Jesus, look what it's going to do for those kiddos. And if you can get kiddos that are raised up in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord. Now, some of them are going to twist off. We still have our own free will. They get to do what they want. But, Lord, that when they're old, they wouldn't depart from it. They may twist off for a little bit, but it says when they're old, they won't depart from it. That they're going to come around because so much too much seed has been sown. I don't want to keep beating this. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the mystery that's been revealed that, God, this mystery can even join together Jew and Gentile in union with one another, complete union with one another as they become united with you in Christ Jesus Lord, that you have reconciled us to yourself where we should have been all along. And you have made us ministers of reconciliation to be able to preach that same message. And again, it doesn't have to be, we get up and give a homily. We get up and give three points in a poem. God, people see your plea through our lives and our honesty and our faithful witness to Christ Jesus. It may be over a long period of time, but you can carve a canyon in rock with just a little bit of water trickling over a long period of time. I thank you for that power of repetition that we'll find in our life. And as we approach you, Lord, and we ask you, what can we do? What can we do, Christ Jesus? What can we do to carry this light and this gospel that will reconcile the whole world? If they'll believe it to you, what can we do? And I thank you that you're faithful to give us an answer and that you also give us the grace and the power to accomplish what you've asked us to do. We know it's going to be a little difficult. We know it's going to require us to have faith. We know it's going to require us to to press forward and not to quit. But I thank you that we'll be able to do that because you're with us. And if you're with us, what could be against us? What can stop your love from going forward if we're willing to carry it? We love you. and We thank you that as we leave today, we do it in peace and unity with one another. God, I thank you that we'll see the world change as hearts change, just like you've changed ours. And are continuing to change ours into the image of Christ Jesus, your son. We love you. We thank you. In his name. Amen.